Dear friends, I'm glad you're here. I'm really, really glad you're here. It was no fun for six months or so to preach to nobody except the camera, and you really make my laugh, my laugh more enjoyable. My life more enjoyable. Laugh too. Glad you're here online also, and you might let us know that you're online with us just by uh, chatting in, however that works. I've never done it. So hope you figure that out and say, hey, we're glad that you have joined us today. We're in part three of a series called Practice, and uh, this series, Practice, if you go back to the front slide, that'll help me with my notes. Thank you. We're uh, uh, going to be looking at what she showed you in advance, guide biblically, but what I want us to do is kind of set it up a little bit. Since the 1950s, uh, professional counseling has gone up 100 times. Um, that's all the clinical fields, whether it's counseling, psychology, etc., etc., social stuff, that uh, people just go to somebody and pay them because they're having troubles and they need somebody that can untangle it and help them solve it. Now, what you need to understand is now that's accelerated even more. They're saying that we are going to increase in that field by 20% a year. And that's just kind of fascinating to me, whereas other really valuable occupations are increasing, the ones that are really, really growing at 7% a year. And so what is going on here? Since 2007, with the uh, introduction of smartphones... And with social media, uh, what used to happen with friends and family is not happening. You see, these counselors, you might have the misunderstanding that they're spending the bulk of their time dealing with the uh, mentally ill. That's a real minor strand of what they're doing in terms of the bulk of their time. We have this interesting cultural phenomenon now where all across America, we're paying the professionals to help us where what used to help us was friends and family. They're listening to the everyday problems that people have, and the friends and family that used to help us in the past are unavailable because the relationships are so distant and separated. And so our smartphones phones are not so smart. And we think that we can get the answers digitally, and we're not getting the answers digitally, and we're isolating ourselves and cut off. And then we enter into 2020. That isolation has accelerated even further. People are falling apart. They're really, really having trouble. And so it is with great excitement to be able to tag team off of that announcement to say uh, a couple of gals came to the lead team meeting to say, we want to start something and we want to solve something. We want to help with the people that are disconnected and feeling isolated and they don't have friends. Listen, people, this is people, my friends. Sometimes people hear people like, ah, people. No, my friends. Um, we need friends. We need family. The answer to our nation is at our fingertips. We need the wonderful counselor who is in us, the Lord Jesus Christ, Isaiah 9, 6, who gave us another counselor, the Holy Spirit. And so we can bring to the table, just in our friendship and in our love, this connectedness, this listening ear, this caring body that solves a bulk of everybody's problems. They feel loved loved and supported and somebody's walking through with them and they don't need to spend uh, a whole bunch of money on those everyday life things. Now, I'm not, if you're in the 
counseling fields. I'm not dissing your we still need you. I still need to refer people to you when it gets over my head. All right. So, but the bulk of the problems, we are there and we can be there. And so I'm really excited. Now you put it, what is it? Uh, two, two hours, four questions. No, I, two, four, six is easier for me to remember. Two, four, six, two hours, four questions, six ladies around a table, just spending time together makes a huge difference. Now, just sign up. It's a one-time commitment. If you don't like it, think about it till the next time, all right? And then we'll see how it goes from there. Now, here's what I'm really excited about. I'm hoping this will just go, men, what about you? And so if one of you guys is thinking, you know, maybe I'm a kind of an organizer, men's version might look different. It might be more like 1114. You know, like one breakfast, one hour, one question with four of us, okay? I think that'll work better for us. And so whatever, I don't know what that looks like for us guys, but we need this too. We need to interface with each other, bring to the table Um, Jesus Christ and what we're kind of learning together and iron sharpens iron, guys. That's what the Proverbs tells us, that we need to sharpen each other and grow in our faith as well. So, ladies, you're ahead of us. Go for it. Do it. Show us how it's done. Guys, let's catch up. Let's solve things. Let's grow together. This is the answer not only for the Verde Valley. This is the answer for the nation. We're in trouble. And we need to start seeing God as the answer. And so now I'm ready to say, here we go. We're going to take a look at a practice of ours, which is guide biblically. Guide biblically. Here is in the context what we're looking at. The five practices we're looking at. Practice these five life practices that fuel a thriving and contagious faith in Jesus. We've already looked at devote daily, pursue relationally. Now we're going to guide biblically. All of this works really well within the context of our faith. Without the context of our faith, it just comes across like my opinion is, my opinion is, and I don't really care about your opinion. I want to know what works. I want to know, and we have what works, and we're going to talk about that when we start talking about guiding biblically. Next week, we're looking at live authentically and then engage missionally. I would like you to either just listen or turn to Romans, and I'm going to read to begin with a lengthier passage, and then we're going to zero in on just one verse, basically, out of what I'm going to read. So Romans chapter 5, on the screen there, it says what verses I'm reading. Romans, did I say 5? 15. Romans 15. We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please our neighbors for their good to build them up. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had. Do you think we need some endurance right now? (laughs) Do you think we need some encouragement right now? Absolutely. 
so that with one mind and one voice you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another then just as Christ accepted you. I'm going to skip to verse 13 now. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I myself am convinced, my brothers and sisters, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with knowledge, and competent to instruct one another. We are ready to be in. Guide biblically. Point number one, you are competent to guide biblically. Now, that may or may not be true about every one of you here, but as you continue to listen, you're going to be gaining more and more competence. And if you have turned the switch to trusting in Jesus Christ, your competence is accelerated, and you're going to take a look at these pieces, and you should be able to become competent rather quickly, much more quickly than we have been trained to think and believe about ourselves, that you are competent to guide biblically. So let's slow this down. I already read the verse. Let's read it again. Verse 15, chapter 15, verse 14. I myself am convinced. This is Paul writing. We just listened to him just kind of rev up to this. He's absolutely convinced, my brothers and sisters, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with knowledge, and competent to instruct one another. I want to talk about the word instruct here for a little bit. This word instruct is a little different than the word we often hear in the vein of instruction, which is the word teaching. Uh, Teaching is the transfer of information to kind of shore you up with the information that you need, which kind of builds up the knowledge that we're talking about. But this instruction goes beyond just the knowledge, and there's some precursors that we're going to talk about here that are needed for this kind of instruction. The word there in the original is, well, it's nuthateo. You don't really need to know that, but it comes from two words. The word for mind, which is new, Noose, if you want to just actually say every little Greek letter in there. And tithemi, which is to place in or to put within. And so, interestingly enough, the translations, and if you're comparing translations, you're going to see these kinds of words translated. Admonish, counsel, warn, and guide. And the reason why we get those words as opposed to teach is this. When you're nuthetaoing, when you're doing nuthetic guide, guidance, you're actually um, warning or pushing or setting into a mind something that the mind has resisted. You got that? When I'm teaching knowledge, usually it's wide open. I'm just filling in. I'm not, I'm not resisting knowledge. But if I'm resisting this information, I'm resisting the information that God has given us about the steps we need to take, and if we're resistant to that, we need to enter into this warning, admonishing, counseling kind of guidance, okay? So it's a particular kind of counseling guidance that's kind of coming around and bringing to the person uh, some 
new thought processes, God's thought processes, and why their particular mindset on the matter, their opinion on the matter needs to be adjusted. I need to set straight in your mind something got a little warped in your thinking about what's really going to make you happy, and that taking these steps that you're used to taking is actually in the long run self-destructive, and I need to help you see the big picture and warn you, admonish you, and tell you this is what God says, and you're going to be a lot happier if you'll see the bigger picture kind of counseling, okay? So it's a very specific kind of guidance, and it's a resisted guidance, and so there are some important precursors to it that brings uh, some acceptance, and so If you'll just review with me, you need to devote daily to have this kind of equipping to guide people, and you need to pursue relationally so that you can wear that resistance down and you have built a bridge so that your truth that's weighty can come across a, a strong bridge relationally so that it's able to bear the weight of that truth, and you're bringing this guidance, this admonishment which is a word we don't use in English much, and so I have chosen to take the word guide. We use that. Guide them to go to the place they wouldn't otherwise go because that's not where they've been going. They've got a different pattern, but we can be competent to do this. There are whole books written about nuthetic counseling based on the Word of God, and we can do this. We can transform the Verde Valley. We can transform America if we'll truly trust that what God has given us is for our good and will help us. And that when we come around people and they, the lights will begin to go on, but there's a resistance to it, and we'll talk about that as we go. So, point number two. Review, you are competent to guide biblically. Point number two, when you are full of goodness, full of goodness. So let's take a look at the verse again. We're highlighting a different phrase now. I myself am convinced, my brothers and sisters, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with knowledge, and competent to instruct one another. Now, it just just reminds me of the fact that we read early in the Gospel of John that Jesus Christ was full of grace and truth. Sometimes people are full of grace, but they have no truth. It's all toleration, toleration, love, love, except whatever, whatever. And Jesus was not that way. He's full of grace, but also full of truth. Some people are full of truth and no grace. Bam, 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 admonish, change, bam, bam. It's like, beat me up with the Bible, thank you. And there's no help there. We just got to beat up and full of goodness and knowledge competent to instruct one another. Jesus was full of grace and full of truth. I hear a lot of times, you know, I'd rather err on the side of the grace. Actually, I'd rather not err. I'd rather be full of grace and full of truth. And instead of erring on the side of grace, which I'm hearing all across America, maybe we're having some trouble now because we've been erring on the side of grace for a long, long time. And truth is kind of People don't even know what it is anymore. And we need to get to the place where we're full of goodness so that the truth comes through ears wide open because grace just envelops them 
loves them. I'm for you. You know I'm for you. I've invested all this in you. I'm walking through life with you. You know I'm for you. I'm saying this because I'm for you. I'm saying the hard things because I love you. And this is what we're talking about. But it's got to come from a goodness. If you don't have this goodness, there's something lacking in your own development as you're growing in Christ. Paul taught enough to where he felt like he could say to a church that's rather a baby church in their development that you are full of goodness. And he knew that he was confident. He was convinced they were full of goodness because they, had, they were all in. They held nothing back. And so they were taking step, 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 following Jesus, following Jesus, renouncing the things that were holding them back and then changing and doing things. And they were so full of goodness, he could say, I, I'm confident you can do this because you're full of goodness and you have the knowledge you need. And they didn't even have the New Testament yet. We have so much more than they have in terms of knowledge. And we still feel inadequate. Why is that? Because we're not practicing. We're not practicing the practices that we're talking about right here. And they're doable. And you can become competent. And you can be that caring, listening ear that just talks about how, you know what? In my time with the Lord, this is what I'm learning. And you're just talking about the goodness that's being poured into you. I'm nothing but a beggar like you, begging from the crumbs off the table of the master who just gives me grace. He's teaching me this, and he has healed me this. He's forgiven me this. I was such a mess, and now I'm past that now, and I'm still, I'm not arrived, and this goodness just pours through. Animals were designed by God to behave based on instinct. Human beings were designed by God with bodies, with souls, with emotions to make decisions based on instruction. And we're slipping into America where human beings are beginning to make their decisions based on animalistic tendency. What I want, what I want now. And we're bypassing God's instruction. Another mistake we're making is that we think that we can instruct people to the point of goodness, even when inside humans are now fallen until they're saved by Jesus Christ. Read Genesis, you discover how this happens. We chose our way instead of God's way, trusting our own way instead of God's way, and something broke inside, and God designed us to be filled with his spirit, communicating to our human spirit so that his instruction is accepted, received, embraced, and we move in union with God. As soon as we said, my way, the Holy Spirit of God had to retract himself out of the union with the human spirit, and now we have a resistance to God's way, and we're more animalistic in being self-serving and doing what we want in the short term that is actually long-term self-destructive. And God has showed us that I want to save you that you cannot save yourself. And yet all across the globe, we believe that we can instruct ourselves up to a goodness that is acceptable to God. 
And God has said, you cannot. There is not enough psychological instruction to instruct the fruit of the Spirit into your life to where you are filled with love and joy and peace and goodness and patience and kindness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. No, you won't be able to instruct yourself up to be filled with the fruit of the Spirit because why? It's the fruit of the Spirit and the Spirit is not in your life. You will experience the deeds of the flesh, which is the result of being separated from the Spirit of God, and you will resist the things of the Spirit as you grab and gravitate toward self-serving interests. It will bear itself out in behavior that is self-destructive through the fleshly nature, which is more animalistic than human. The answer... We need Jesus Christ. The answer in the prophecy in Isaiah 9, 6 said that a child is coming and there's a lot of things said about him, but he is going to be called the Wonderful Counselor. And the Wonderful Counselor, before he left, says, I'm going to give you another Counselor, the Holy Spirit. Because of what he did on the cross, he's going to be able to shift the brokenness inside and reunite us like a puzzle that fits with the Holy Spirit of God, human spirit united with the Spirit of God, where now we're not resisting God, we embrace God, we're working hard with God, and God is working in us to will and to act in order to fulfill His purpose while we're working out what He's working in, Philippians 2.13. We become good because we want to become good because now the Spirit of God is working into us to will. We want it. And he's working into us to act. We're able to do what we want to do before we may want to do stuff. Have you noticed that this is so true? It rings so true to humanity. If I am not living in walking relationship with Jesus Christ, I may want to be better, but I can't seem to pull it off. That's the story of Jim Hammond, apart from Jesus. And I believe that's a story for you as well. If you're not walking with Jesus... You will have these days where it's like, what just happened? Well, Jim Hammond was coming through. I need more of Jesus in me so Jesus can come through. And then I can be at peace with myself instead of blaming it on you that I'm irritable. Right? This is so real. That goodness comes from him and our wonderful counselor who has washed us clean and made it possible for the Holy Spirit of God to get into us and make all the difference in the world. Point number three, you are competent to guide biblically when you are full of goodness and three, and full of knowledge. So, full of knowledge. Let's look at the verse again. I myself am convinced Let me just change it. I, Jim Hammond, am convinced, my brothers and sisters here at Verde Valley Christian Church, I am convinced that you yourselves are full of goodness if you've accepted the Lord Jesus Christ and have the helper counselor inside your life and you're seeking his face. You're full of goodness and you are filled with knowledge. You have so much knowledge but for whatever reason, you've felt insecure. Well, that's because you're trying it on your own. You're trying to just trust your own knowledge, trust your own skills. Just walk 
in faith and ask God and pray for wisdom and meet with people and learn and listen and care and share and he will grow it right through you and you will then have the knowledge that is from the word of God because you're opening it daily and looking and living and describing what God is doing right now in you. I'm convinced you've got it. And we can start to meet together and make a difference for one another and grow and change this place filled with the knowledge By the way, knowledge by itself just puffs up. Knowledge by itself, without the goodness, without the grace, without the life doing it, if it's just up here, it's like, man, it's not going to be helpful. It ends up being like the Pharisees, hypocritical, stuff that just pushes people away. It's beat them up. I know more than you. Competition. And none of that is Jesus, okay? Filled with knowledge, incompetent to instruct. So let me put on the screen just a few quick thoughts to get us rolling here. Do you want to make mistakes? Of course not. Do you want to give wise counsel when you encourage or guide people? Who wouldn't? What is the actual source of wisdom? God himself. If you could think like God thinks, would you be wise? Undoubtedly. Where are many, not all, of God's thoughts in the Bible? You've got this. Devote daily. Pursue relationally. Guide biblically. biblically. This is what we're talking about. Live it out. Your faith will start to grow if you're living these basic practices out. If you back up and say, I can't, I can't, you will continue to shrivel in your faith and get hardened in your own self-directed life. You don't want that. And so, I'll say it again. Sign up to just meet around a table, and guys, somebody, let's get organized. You know, one hour at breakfast, just a few of us. You can just call some people up, make it happen just for for yourself, or somebody could try to invite people to just get to know people they don't know because they don't know who to invite. Let's, let's see this happen. I don't know how to make it happen. Just, here, let's do it, okay? All right, 2 Timothy 3.16. All Scripture is God-breathed. The reason why, it's not just study, 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 get it in your head, is apart from walking with the Holy Spirit, it, it, you could be like the scholars who don't even believe it. They know a lot about it, but they don't even know that it's living. It's from God. The Spirit of God is what makes it alive and real and powerful, miraculously powerful. It's God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness. It's very useful, so devote daily. And if you don't have somebody to share it with right away, arbitrarily get buddy together and start sharing with somebody that's starting to share. Just get better at sharing it. Again, Romans 15, 14 says, back to the verse that we're looking at, I myself am convinced, my brothers and sisters, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with knowledge, and competent to instruct one another. This can happen in our families. This can happen in our friendships. This can happen in our small groups. 
This can happen in our smaller groups. This can happen all over the valley. This valley can be transformed and filled with bright lights of guided thought and guided lives to transform our community. I'm really not interested in you sharing your opinions. We ought to get used to the habit, well, where did you get that from? Take me to the line. Where, where, where is that thought coming from? You need to be asking yourself, this person has a really big problem. Where in Scripture does it say something about this specifically and get used to looking? Do some research. If it doesn't address it specifically, where are the general principles that has an application to this specific thing? And get better and better at learning some God-directed guidance. Ready to go? Let's do this thing. All right, so women, you've got no excuse. You can go sign up at the table as, as we leave. Men, you've got no excuse. I don't know what to tell you. Let's get going. All right? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the challenge we received from Paul today in your word, the challenge that he received from Jesus telling us to make disciples, the challenge that is our mission to help people take steps from wherever they are. Lord, this is all about living out the faith in reality. Help us as a church to be able to do this more effectively to give all the glory to you it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Next week is Live Authentically, and I hope you're back, and we'll enjoy that together. God bless. Hello, church family. It is a privilege to share today's communion message. When I think about communion, I think about what uh, Jesus said uh, in, his, in his word. I want to quickly share that with you. Thank you. Um, and when the hour came, he reclined at table, he being Jesus, and the apostles with him, and he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. And when I was reading that, I just thought about the words earnestly desiring to have fellowship with us and what we're remembering and what took place on the cross. To know that we broke all the rules and failed in every way and Jesus came and lived a perfect life here on earth, perfect without any sin and was crucified for our sins and paid the price so that we could have that intimate relationship with him. And like his word says, sit at a table and recline with him and that he's earnestly desiring for us to have that fellowship. And it says, he then took the cup and when he had given thanks, he said, take this and divide it amongst yourselves. For I tell you that from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread and when he'd given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them saying, likewise, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And I think about that word remembrance where he's saying to remember what took place on the cross. So sometimes I think about, well, why was that said 
somebody would say to remember only if there's the ability to forget. And I think about, I had a conversation earlier today at lunch with my friend about school and studying and, and notes and knowledge and head stuff. Um, and then you also have another way of studying or addressing people and that's like motivation and you just are thinking about action steps. So you have this knowledge and then other people were talking about the action steps or things I need to do, you know, read my Bible or so much time every day in prayer. And one thing that struck me with communion and to remember is to just put the phones down, put the pens down, all distractions and remember what our Lord, our Savior, Jesus has done for us. Put those things down and have our eyes up and remember what our precious Lord and Savior has done for us. He has shown his love by being crucified on a cross, being spit on, beat, ridiculed for our sake and for our sins to be able to have the intimate relationship, sit with us, recline at that table and wants us to remember. And so instead of head knowledge or action steps, this is a great opportunity for us as a church family to put things down, put him up and think about Jesus and worship. And just remember a verse comes to me about being still and know that I am God. Thank you.